welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Kirsten Doyle. Kirsten is a writer and content creator who was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, and now lives in Toronto, Canada. As a child, she dreamed of a career in psychology, but after she obtained her bachelor's degree, life took her on a different path. She embarked on a career in information technology, the career that brought her to Canada in 2000. After she lost her job to corporate downsizing, she combined her love of writing with her passion for mental health advocacy and launched a career as a mental health and addictions writer. Kirsten is a strong believer in human rights and actively works to promote the rights of BIPOC, LGBTQ+, and disability communities. Through her athletics, coaching, and volunteer activities at the local elementary school, she has worked with many refugee children and their families. She is part of the Special Education Advisory Committee at the Toronto District School Board, and she is on the Board of Directors of Citizens with Disabilities, Ontario. She is also a member of the Community Police Liaison Committee, where she is advocating for anti-racism within the police system. One of Kirsten's pandemic projects was to start two new YouTube channels. Word Salad with Coffee is focused on writing-related content. She combines light relief, because we all need a good laugh, with writing tips for anyone who wants to improve their writing skills, because the world needs more writers. My Gen X Life is a channel where Kirsten talks about what's going on with her family and offers her unfiltered opinions about the state of the world. Kirsten lives with her husband and has two teenage sons. Her older boy is autistic and is a Special Olympics champion. Her younger son is a force of nature with big goals of his own to change the world. Hi, Kirsten. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, but for those who don't know anything about you, can you just give us a little bit? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am originally from South Africa. I grew up. Uh, during apartheid South Africa, which was a very interesting experience. Um, we traveled quite a bit when I was a kid. We lived in Connecticut for three years, went back to South Africa. I went to university in Cape Town, and I kind of drifted around a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I eventually landed in Toronto in 2000. And... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, at the time I was in software development and corporate training and eventually I just became a freelance writer. Writing has always been my passion. It mm -hmm. has been the thing that I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it was eight years ago now, I was I lost my job to corporate downsizing. Mm. And I took it as an opportunity to get into doing what I really wanted to do. That's awesome. And which was writing. That's awesome. Which is writing, yes. Oh, that's writing awesome. and I got into making YouTube videos a couple of years ago as well. So just general yeah. content creation and you know, just sort of putting up my message to the world in whatever way I can. That's awesome. Okay, so let's go back. So you were born and raised in South Africa during the time of apartheid. What was yes. that what was that like for you? It was very strange. I saw a lot of things when I was a kid that I didn't understand. So, for example, shortly after we returned from Connecticut, I was about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. My mom was driving me to school, and we saw a police van drive up to a group of black people who were just walking down the road. Mm. And they approached this group of people, and they put some of them into the back of their van, and they just kind of drove away with them. Huh. And I didn't understand what I'd just seen. I said to my mom, what did those people do wrong? And my mom said they didn't do anything wrong. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wow. And I had no idea what that meant. But right. it was, it, you, they had these things called the pass laws, which meant there were black areas and there were white areas. And any black people who were in white areas without authorization mm -hmm. could be arrested and put into jail. That's Wow. So I, I saw I saw things like that that just you know they just I didn't understand them. My mom didn't even you know my parents couldn't understand them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, wow. So 
So it was very strange growing up in that kind of environment. And, you know, it was kind of exciting to grow up in an era where apartheid was being dismantled. Mm. You know, I was a part of all of that. And um, I think if you have to have grown up in South Africa, I grew up in South Africa at the best possible time. Hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, were you there when Nelson Mandela was freed? I was in university when Nelson Mandela was released. And wow. He was released in Cape Town, uh, which is where I was in university. And I joined this huge crowd of students who went to witness the release. It was amazing. Just being oh, part of that crowd gosh. was incredible. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, I mean, to see a historic event like that, you know, I mean, especially in South Africa, <laughs> where it was just, I don't think anybody ever thought that would ever happen, um, at least in my head. Yeah, it was, you know? it was, it was amazing. And I was, I voted in the first democratic election. We waited in line for eight hours to vote, me and my parents. Wow. And um, that was, it was, it was like an eight hour long party though, because people were, everyone was just so happy and everyone was together. And these, like these impromptu barbecues would just kind of spring up and uh, everyone was invited and people would just randomly start to sing and dance and people, everyone was talking to each other. Uh, it was like, you know, nobody was a stranger that day. Everyone was in it together and it was a phenomenal experience. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. But what 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 a his, what a historical event to be part of, you know, and, and yeah. be in the midst of all of that, and to see that it, you know, what should, you, you see how equality really exists, <laughs> you know, it's like in that moment, you know, it's like in that moment it really right. happened. Okay, so in two thousand you left South Africa to go to Canada. Now, why did you leave South Africa, and why did you choose? Canada? I just wanted a change. Mm -hmm. I was a computer programmer at the time, and I did very well off of the whole Y2K thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And after the Y2K project ended, I just became very bored with my work because, I don't know, things just kind of lost their momentum at that time. Mm. And I thought this is a great time for me to go somewhere else, get some work experience somewhere else. Yeah. And I so I put my resume out on the internet just to see what would happen. Uh-huh. And I actually almost ended up in Chicago. I got a job offer in Chicago. Really? Huh. Which 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 I which I accepted. But then before I left the HR lady from the company that offered me the job said, you know what, like, if you want to come to Chicago, that's fine. Uh-huh. But we have a dire need for people in our Toronto office. So what would you think of going there instead? Wow. Huh. And I thought that would be cool, actually. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've been to the United States several times, uh-huh. but I've never been to Canada. And I thought, you know, that would, that would actually be kind of cool. So let me go to Canada instead. Huh. My my plan was to stay there for two years and then either go back to South Africa or go somewhere else. Uh-huh. But then when I'd been in Canada for a year, I met my husband and uh-huh. so I stayed. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's like, yep, well, you know, it's like this, this kind of yeah. happened. This kind of happened. So, yeah, I'm staying now. Wow. So yeah. have, have you been back to South Africa since then? I yeah I have been back quite a few times. I still I love going to South Africa. It's an amazing country. I try to go back every year. Mm-hmm. My dad died 16 years ago, but my mom oh. is still living, so I, I go back and I see her when I can. Oh wow! Um, you know, awesome. obviously the, the 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 pandemic did sort of put a spanner in the works. Oh sure. But yeah. um, I was able to go at the beginning of the year. I went for a couple of months because my mom. Um, she just needed a bit of help after a hip replacement. Mm, mm-hmm. Wow. And so, were, you able, uh, yeah. were, were you able to stay with her? I, yeah, I was able to stay with her, and I was also able to spend a bit of time with my brother down in Cape Town. Oh, okay. And then did you come back just in time for the when the pandemic hit? Or were you there 
as well during oh the no this was this was slap bang right in the middle of the pandemic oh, uh, wow. Canada actually implemented a quarantine hotel requirement while I was away and the rules changed so how long were you in the hotel for quarantine well what, 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 so the rule at the time that I left to go to, to, to go to South Africa, the rule was that when you came back into Canada, you had to self-quarantine at two weeks, but you could do it at home or in any safe location. Okay. And, and, and they had a couple of rules, like if there was anyone over the age of 65 in your house, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be able to quarantine there. You'd have to go to a hotel. Okay. And my mother-in-law lives with us, so okay. going to, we have a motel down the road from my house, and it was always my plan to go there for the two weeks. Mm-hmm. But then the new rules that they implemented while I was away was that you had to get a COVID test on arrival. Mm. And then you had to go into, into a government-approved hotel for three days while you waited for the result. Oh, and at the end of the three days, you could then go to wherever your quarantine location was for the rest of the 14 days. Wow. <laughs> but a lot what, of time. But, but what happened... <laughs> What happened with me, I mean, I was in such a spin about this because it was, it, it, it wasn't a terrible idea, but it was terribly implemented and mm. they had a lot of teasing problems and I had a lot of anxiety going on mm. and cut a long story short, I landed at, uh, I, land, I landed in Toronto with no quarantine hotel booked. I had no idea what I was going to do and I ended up having a panic attack at the airport in oh. front of everybody. Oh my gosh, Kirsten. And it was, uh, but the people at the airport were exceptionally kind. Everyone was so, so nice. Mm. And I ended up getting a medical exemption from the hotel quarantine, and they allowed me to just go to the, uh, straight to the motel that I'd already booked. Oh, that's good. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what an ordeal. But thank goodness. It was an ordeal. But now um, I am now fully vaccinated mm-hmm. and. So now I would be automatically exempt from the hotel quarantine now if I were to travel. Wow. Thank goodness. So, Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, it, it's like I love traveling, but I don't know if I want to go through all of that, you know, just because that kind of cuts, you know, that, that whole time. You, a lot of people can't take off 14 days, you know. It's like that's well, basically, that's yeah, that's basically the, the vacation. The time. It's the time, it's the expense, it's yes. the whole stress of everything. Yes, yes, and not knowing, yeah. you know, then getting tested again, and it's like, it's a lot. It's a lot to go through. Um, but, yeah. you know, and I understand, you know, it's like uh, everybody's done, you know, everybody's ready to get moving, and but you got to weigh the cons. You have to weigh the pros and cons for sure. So. Well, this is it. Yeah. This is it. I mean, it was worth it to see my mom, totally. Yes, exactly, yeah. So, um, so so I read that you are quite an advocate for um, the rights of autistic people, and you're also um, such a huge activist um, fighting for, um, you know, the rights for for mental health awareness and advocacy. Um, Now, did that stem from your childhood? I mean, were your parents active? In, in adv- were they active in advocacy? Oh, definitely. My parents absolutely had an, had an effect on that. Mm. It was difficult for them to be parents at the time when they were during apartheid because they couldn't really speak out. Mm. They, you know, my dad would have lost his job. They could have ended up in, 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 in jail. Mm. You know, South Africa at the time was not big on freedom of speech. Black-run political organizations were banned. And people just couldn't speak out against things like this Mm -hmm. without risking their own safety and freedom. And it was only really when I got... I went to university in 1988. Mm -hmm. And it was only around that time that people started being more outspoken. And by then, some of the apartheid laws had already been demolished. Mm, okay. 
but um, yeah, so the past laws were dismantled in I think 1984, somewhere around there. So wow. the, the 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 work of getting rid of apartheid took a few years, but by the time I was in university, that was when advocacy really started to happen. There were student protests. I was a part of some of them. There was one protest where, you know, technically they were still illegal. Mm-hmm. And the police, the police were supposed to, you know, you know, get rid of the protesters. Mm. And there was this one protest through the streets of Cape Town where the police were standing on the side of the road and on, tops of, on the tops of the buildings. Mm-hmm. And they had these water cannons that were filled with, um, it was water with purple dye in it. Oh, my gosh. And as the protesters walked down the street, they just blasted everyone with this purple water. They called it the Purple Rain Protest. Wow. And the, the idea behind it was that, you know, anyone who had purple dye on them uh-huh. could later be identified <gasps> and arrested. How insane. So, yeah. So, these protests happened while I was a student, and um, it, it, it was it was great to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I, I can, wow, I'm sure. I mean, you know, to go through that, and wow, and to be in yeah. in all of that, and, and at le- in, in, in a way, you guys paved the way for making sure that you know this was not going to keep happening anymore, and you needed to make sure that this was not going to happen, you know, for future. Right. For the future. That's that's wild. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and it definitely it definitely impacted how I live my life today. Mm. Being in South Africa at the time, South Africa was kind of shielded from news coming from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So. We did not understand, you know, my parents probably did, but, you know, as a young person, I didn't really get that racism was not a uniquely South African problem. Mm. Wow. You know, and it took some time, even after I came to Canada, it was after quite some time of observation and talking to people and making friends in the United States that I started to really get a sense of the problem of racism in the United States and also in probably to a lesser extent in Canada, but it definitely exists in Canada as well. Mm. You know, we were talking about the the residential schools yeah. and how the indigenous people have been treated in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but living in South Africa at the time, yeah. I did not understand that this is, this is not a problem that is unique to South Africa. Right, right. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's... It's incredible. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, thank you for sharing all your stories about South Africa and, and your all the protests and that you've been part of and to actually, you know, result in, in having, you know, in having Nelson Mandela freed and having to get rid of apartheid was just amazing. Um, right. So... Okay, so let's move on. So you're the creator of a YouTube show, Word Salad with Coffee. I love the name. Yes. <laughs> love the name. Thank you. <laughs> so, but, but what is your show about and how, what prompted you to start Word Salad with Coffee? So Word Salad with Coffee is, I, I actually have two YouTube channels. Word, I've got one that's called My Gen X Life, which is where I just give my opinionated rants about the state of the world. You know, and I speak out against injustice mm-hmm. and, you know, some of the ridiculous things that people do that are, you know, impacting on the rights of others. Mm-hmm. Word Salad with Coffee, I started a little over a year ago, and I started it as a channel to give writing tips to people. Ah, And I I started it because, you know, as a writer myself, I love anything to do with words and language and, you know, just putting words together and telling stories. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. That's Mm -hmm. my thing. Mm -hmm. And when I started this channel to give writing tips to people, a bunch of people said to me, but aren't you going to... You know, you're encouraging people to become better writers. Aren't you creating competition for yourself? <laughs> and and I actually did thought I actually did think of that when I was starting the channel. But 
my my answer to that is that everybody's voice is unique. I've yeah. got my voice. You've right. got your voice. Everybody has their own voice. Right. Nobody can be in competition with my voice because it's mine. Right. Right. And I, everybody has their own story to tell. Exactly. And even if two people are telling the same, same story, they're telling it from two different, unique perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I personally believe the world always, no matter how many writers there are in the world, the world can always do with more writers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I saw that. And I, li- I live in a part of Toronto that is home to a lot of new refugees who speak languages other than English. And a lot of them are trying to learn English. They're trying to learn to speak it. They're trying to learn how to write it. Oh, wow. And, you know, so I make my writing tips available to anyone, whether it's refugees or young people who, who just want to be writers mm-hmm. or, you know, anyone who, you know, just likes to watch me ramble about stuff. Mm-hmm. That's um, and you know, I, I, I want everyone to be empowered to tell their stories. That's awesome. And have you found that the ones who tune into your show are mostly people who want to learn how to write or more about like trying to um, figure out a way on how to tell a story? Or both? It's, 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 a, little bit of, it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I have had a lot of people who's, you know, for whom English is a second language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something I didn't anticipate is a lot of people who don't necessarily want to write in English, they want to write in their own language, still uh. gain something from, from me talking about, you know, the structure of stories or, you know, uh. plot lines or, you know, developing characters or... Any, you know, I talk about absolutely anything to do with writing, whether it's fiction writing, blogging, right. you know, freelance writing for a living. I cover it all, so wow. I tend to get quite a broad audience. Well, that's really cool because it's not just for one set of skills. It's really like it, it can it can develop into a whole lot of skills that you, they can use for anything really, whether it's it's like right. you said for any type of um, writing, whether it's it's for fiction or nonfiction or or just plain, you know, like learning how to speak the right way or learning how to write the right way. That's that's amazing. That's really cool. Did did you think yeah, that it was gonna, I, did you think it was gonna develop into something like that? Or did you have a mindset of like this one thing is that's what was that's what were you you were targeting for? You know, honestly, when I started the channel, I just thought, I'm going to start this channel and I'm going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. At the time that I started it, I was terrible at making videos. I, I knew nothing about making videos. Uh-huh. I didn't even have a proper place that I could film my videos in. So, you know, I filmed, I filmed some of them in my garage because I just uh-huh. didn't have anywhere else. <laughs> well, that's where that's and, a lot of people start and, from their and, garages. And I didn't know. And, and I mean, I am, you know, I am socially awkward. I am an introvert. I'm not good, or I was, and I think I'm okay now. But mm-hmm. at the time I started, I was absolutely terrible at talking in front of the camera. Hmm. Because I was, I was self-conscious, and I was like, what if everybody laughs at me? What oh if nobody gosh. likes me? And, wow. So, and so, yet, and so yet there was that are. whole teething <laughs> thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> and, but yet here so, you are. Yeah, I joined a couple of YouTuber groups on Facebook that are run by professional YouTubers. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I would ask these people for advice. And all of them just said, the more you do this, the better you will be. So yep. keep at it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. And here I am. I am learning something new every day. My channel is still kind of evolving. Wow. And That's um awesome. yeah, but when I started it was just, you know, let me let me start this channel and you know, just see what happens. That's great. Now when did you start um Word Salad with Coffee? And when did you start my Gen X Life? Were they at the same time? So, no, my Gen X life was actually not even a channel I intentionally started. Mm-hmm. I just, it was years ago, I just kind of ended up with this YouTube channel because I had, happened to have a Google account. Ah, okay. And I, one day I sort of 
discovered that, oh, hey, I've got a YouTube channel that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And I posted, you know, posted things to it every now and then. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it just kind of sat there being ignored. Mm-hmm. And then almost two years ago, my oldest son turned 16 and I made a little happy birthday video and I posted it. And I thought, you know, let me actually see if I can do something with this channel. And mm-hmm. so I so at that time, I started to intentionally work on this channel. It's my, my word salad with coffee channel is very targeted to a specific niche. It's all about everything to do with writing. Mm-hmm. My Gen X life is about anything and everything. Mm. Okay. You know, it's, you know, okay, so, you know, George Floyd died. I needed to talk about that. So I posted yeah. a video about that. And then... Um, you know, the pandemic hit and Mm -hmm. people were, you know, fighting against the idea of wearing masks. Mm -hmm. So I posted a video about that. And then I went to South Africa. I posted a bunch of videos about that. So my content on that channel is kind of anything and everything. But the the main point of the channel is that, you know, I'm 50, I'm 51 years old now. Mm-hmm. I am be, beyond the age where I should worry about what people think about my opinions. And mm-hmm. I used to be so self-conscious and I used to keep quiet about things that I shouldn't have kept quiet about because I, you know, always worried about what people would think. That, mm-hmm. you know, it's something when I, when I turned 50, it was like someone flipped a switch and it was yeah. like, you know what? I don't have to care about that anymore. I can be as outspoken as I want. Right. Right. And I can say the things that need to be said. And that is really what my channel is, what, what my Gen X life is all about. It's, you know, this is my place to just say the things that need to be said, mm-hmm. no matter how upset people get about it. And, and you, have you gotten comments that were upsetting? I mean, for that channel? Yeah. Really? After George, when, when George Floyd died, um, I posted a video about it mm-hmm. and... Um, the comments on that video got so intense. I actually had to turn off the commenting. Wow. Oh my God. It's the only time I've turned off commenting on anything. It was, it was quite vile. It was, wow. Wow. it was really, it gave me a very scary look into the way, the depraved ways that mm-hmm. some people think. Mm-hmm. And it, it is unfortunate and really scary that, you know, that, the people will go to those lengths just to comment about content that, you know, all you wanted to do was relay how you felt and then they would yeah. come and attack you. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah. so, you know, no one's asking you to comment. No one's asking you to, but if you want your own way of doing things, right. you know, and I was, and, and, and I, I was so confused because I was thinking, how hard can it possibly be to say that racism is wrong? Like, yeah. what is the challenge in that? Yeah. Unfortunately, it, it's a, it is a hot topic. It's, it's a hot button to push. You know, it's like there's so much going on yeah. regarding racism, you know, in this country and, and in different countries. And, and it's just, it, it's hard to get, I, I can't even get into it because it's really... Too many. There's too many um, people who ha- who have to weigh in on that, and I am one person, and I can't really imagine that we would that every single person would agree with how I feel or how I think. So I'm missing. Right. Okay, you know, I mean, you have your point of view, I have my point of view, and we can leave it at that. But you know, some people just can't. Then, and it, it's more like I think. Well, you know. If this is the way you really feel, do I really want to be a part of that? You know, I don't. I don't even right. want to entertain that. So, that's. I'm. I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but I'm sure you know that. Well, thank goodness that you uh, turned off the comments. But at the same time, I. I like you said, it kind of opened your eyes. You know, to realize that holy cow, there's a lot of stuff going on that, you know, I may not even it's have been aware of. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot to digest, you know, so, but I'm glad that yeah, you have, but your, I do... I'm, I'm glad that you have that platform. I really am because, you know, if we, if we don't, you know, if we don't stick to what we believe in, then what are we, you know, why are we here? You know, 
What are we doing? Yeah, here? and I believe that as someone with a platform, I've got a responsibility to use that platform for good. And yes. I talk about that on, on Word Salad with Coffee as well. Mm-hmm. As, a, as, as writers, we are promoting a message. And the writing that I do, you know, the, 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 the clients that I have are mental health and addiction clients. Mm-hmm. So I write for people like um, addiction rehab facilities, mental health practitioners, people like that. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that, you know, I have a responsibility to make sure my information is A, accurate, and yep. B, helping the people it's supposed to help because the wrong kind of content in those fields mm-hmm. can lead the audience, to the, the audience to making decisions that are not in their best interest. Right. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, so there's that, there's the, you know, the, the whole thing of wanting to reduce the stigma there is about mental health and addiction. Oh, my gosh, yes. And, and, and just using platforms for social good. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the quote is. Someone said something like, all that's needed for evil to prosper is for good people to stand there and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I do not want to be the person who is standing there yes. while people are getting hurt. Right. Apathetic and not really involved. Yes, for sure. I understand. Wow. Well, speaking of which, you are also one of the editors for World Moms Network. Um, yes. How did you get involved with World Moms Network? I stumbled upon one of the founders' uh, original posts there, Jen Burden. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, happened to stumble upon it on WordPress. I think it was on the fresh, freshly pressed section. Uh-huh. And I read it, and I saw on the website that you know she was looking for more writers. So uh-huh. I thought, "Great, I'm going to give this a try." So. <laughs> I sent her a message and the rest is history and now I'm part of the furniture. (laughs) I know. I love that. I love that. I really love World Moms Network. You know, I I, I got started, uh, you know, my start with World Moms was through Elizabeth Adelaide. Um, I met her at a social good summit, uh, actually Moms, Moms Plus Social. And then, you know, she gave me her card, I gave her mine, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to write for this organization. <laughs> and but by the, at that time, Jen, you know, th- they were not accepting any more U.S. writers. And I'm like, that's okay. I just kept submitting. <laughs> I get, by the third right. <laughs> by the third submit, Elizabeth told Jen, we need to get her in here because <laughs> it's like we really need to get her in here. So I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. thank you. And like you, now the rest is history. And I I I, I love. The women at World Moms, and they're just incredible, and you know, and everyone is like really, really. Um, our I think our our main goal is really to just tell the stories of of moms from every part of the world, which is which is amazing, right? You know, so I right. love that, and, and the stories are inspiring. I yeah. mean, uh, all the women who write are so inspiring. Oh my gosh! I I know I love I love having to read like different stories from different parts of the world. So you know it's it's amazing, and and Jen is just unbelievably amazing and supportive, and that's why. Okay, so you know I mean, and I love that I I've had I've had the um, honor of having so many of our writers on my show so far. You know, so I I love that because yeah. everyone has a different yeah, story. Yeah, and we're and we're all friends with each other, which I is know, lovely. I know, I know. It's like I don't, and it's really funny because part of the time of our get together is like, okay, what's going on, <laughs> and then we get into yeah. the business. So, so okay, so for for all the projects you have right now between my Gen X life, Word Salad with Coffee, and World Moms Network. Was there an aha moment for you for each one, or can you think of an aha moment where you thought, "This is where I needed to be. This is where I want to be." So when I were, when my younger son was in elementary school, I used to run something called Kilometer Club. I was very involved in the elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, half of the teachers there are friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And I used to help run something called Kilometer Club. And that was just a cool thing where the kids would show up early before school and they would run laps around the schoolyard. And for every lap they completed, they would get a popsicle stick. Oh, wow. And the class, 
the, the class that collected the most popsicle sticks over a season would win a pizza lunch. Oh, how cool. And the, my son's, the, the elementary school is a shelter school for new refugees. So a lot of the kids there are refugees who are new to the country. They don't speak English. Mm. And they have recently come from uh, situations of extreme, unbelievable amounts of trauma. Mm-hmm. And there was this one kid who must have been seven or eight who always showed up without fail for Kilometer Club. Uh-huh. And one day when Kilometer Club was ending, he came up to me and he told me that Kilometer Club was the highlight of every day. Aww. It was like his favorite thing. It was like, this was the reason he wants to come to school every day is because of Kilometer Club. Oh, wow. And so I asked him, what is it about it that you love? Is it the running? Is it you know, hanging out with people? What is it about it that you love? And he said, what he said, it, it gets me to this day. He said, mm-hmm. for the first time ever, I don't have to run for my life. I can just run. Oh, my gosh. I just got goosebumps. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, and that's when I thought, wow, you know, no one would be able to tell from looking at this kid that in his seven years, he has been through the experience of literally having to run away from men with knives. Jeez. That's... And, you know, you don't know what people's stories are. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I... It kind of drove me to wanting to fight for human rights, mm-hmm. um, promote promote tolerance and an end to racism and discrimination. And, wow. you know, just promote the idea of people being decent human beings. Oh, yeah. Well, there's nothing better. You know, I, I, and I think that is such a, so important um, to note that you don't, like you said, you don't know what people's stories are. You don't know what yeah. they've gone through. And, you know, who, who, I mean, it's like, how can I know them if I don't ask the questions or if I don't know, if I don't want to get to know them, if I don't get to know them, then I don't know how they're here, how they came to be here and what they have gone through just to be here. Exactly. And, you know, a couple of days, a couple of days later, the, the same kid, I was helping out in the ESL classroom. One of my friends, is the, she was the ESL teacher. English is a second language. Mm-hmm. And the same kid was in the class, and he told me that he was working really hard to learn English really well mm-hmm. because his mother had not been able to get into any language classes, and she didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. So he needed to speak very good English so that he could be his mother's translator. And he, I mean, this is a kid who's like seven or eight. And I'm thinking, wow. wow, that is a huge load for this kid to be taking on onto himself. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And, and yeah. did he, did he, has he been keeping it up? Do you know? I have lost touch with him since then, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, for a couple of years that I knew him, he was, he was keeping it up. I believe his mother did eventually get into English language classes. Oh, that's awesome. But it highlighted uh, the whole idea that that language classes need to be more accessible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You yeah. know, that no kid should have that responsibility. Right. Right. I know. And it's like with with so many people from different countries coming in whether it's it's in Canada or the US you know that, that it really should just be um something that's in the curriculum you know because they really need to be able to um communicate and if if it's not if it's not easily accessible then how will they ever um get exactly. to the point of of you know being a uh, how will they be able to um find a job or or even like you know be have communi- uh, have well have the chance to communicate with other people if you can't understand each other so that it's so important i, I so agree wow right oh my gosh okay so what is there someone or well before that um was there a time you thought you needed to do something that could affect your life and others I think I've always had kind of had that. I've kind of always had that attitude. Um, you know, this whole 
idea has been years in the making. I've always wanted to do something that would help other people. And mm. over the years, I've always done what I could. Mm. Um, you, you know, but really the pandemic just gave me the time to actually do it, to create this YouTube channel and to really start pushing for these ideas. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I ran for office as a trustee in my school board. I didn't win. I was the runner up. But mm-hmm. my whole point in doing that was to be a voice for children with special needs. My own son is autistic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the education system needs people who can speak out for kids who cannot speak out for themselves. Yeah. And I have subsequently become part of the school board's special education advisory committee. So I'm still able to fulfill that mandate in that way. That's awesome. But, um, you know, I think it's really just growing up in the way that I did mm-hmm. um, in, in apartheid South Africa where there was such a dichotomy between the black kids and the white kids and how much more privileged we were while the black kids were literally, you know, they would wake up in the morning and they wouldn't know if they were still going to be alive at the end of the day. Um, You know, my parents always instilled in me and I I had an aunt who was was very um, passionate about helping people as well. She was a teacher in South Africa at the time. Mm And she was uh, fired from her position as a teacher because she started refusing to stand up for the national anthem. Really? Yeah. And she said, I am not going to stand up for this national anthem because it is an anthem of the oppressors. This government is treating people terribly and I'm not going to recognize the anthem. So she she was fired from her position as a teacher. And she said to me, before I went to university, she said to me, Every white person in this country who does not actively try to change things is part of the problem. And I've never forgotten that. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Do you still keep in touch with this aunt? No, unfortunately, she died um, nine years ago. Yeah, she died in a, in a freak, freak accident. Oh, wow. Holy mackerel. I mean, that's amazing. You know, to be, to, to like really um, fight, you know, against what was, what was considered normal over there, you know, like standing and and standing for, for the national anthem. And I'm like, like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be party to that. That's incredible. And that was a bold, that was a bold, bold move. I mean, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so the next question would be, is there someone or people you would give credit to for where you are now? A lot of people have given me support over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the, the real catalyst for this was my friend, uh, my friend Tim. Mm-hmm. He was also a writer. He was, he was hilarious. He was so funny. And years ago, shortly after I arrived in Canada, we both wrote for the same e-zine for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And we became very good friends. I went through a phase of being really overwhelmed by life. I lost my job. My dad died. My older son was diagnosed with autism. I had mm-hmm. postpartum depression after my younger son was born. So there was just a, a lot going on with my life. Mm-hmm. And I did what writers do, which was, you know, to pour my feelings into my writing. And so as a result, the the writing that I was producing didn't really match the whole tone of the Mm easing. And so Tim called me up one day and he said, listen, you know, you're going to kill this easing with these things that you've been writing. Um, And he said, "What, what, what you can do instead is, you know, write for my blog and you can write anything you want, anytime you want, and mm. just save your positive energy for the evening and just put all your life stuff onto my blog. And that turned out to be such a lifesaver for me. Wow. You know, he, he really encouraged me to, you know, just get into the writing. And he also planted the seed of me becoming a full-time writer long before it actually happened. Hmm. And, you know, he said to me, there was this one day he said to me, you are... Someday you're going to be a professional writer. This is what you're going to do for a living. And I didn't believe him. I was still into the um, IT project management at the time. And I said, no, you know, I'm good. You know, I've got my job. I'm good. And he said, no, 
trust me, you're going to be a full-time writer, and, you know, when that happens, you're going to thank me. Wow. And sadly, Tim is no longer with us. He died about 10 years ago. Hmm. But I do credit him for that. You know, when I decided to become a full-time writer, I was like, yep, Tim said I'd thank him, and, you know, here we are. That's wild. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you had a job already, you know, you worked, and then you were writing for the easy, and, you know, it's like, and then... You know, circumstances happen, and lo and behold, you finally yeah. got to do what you really wanted to do in the first place, which was to be a writer um, and content yeah. cre- and content creator. Now, you know, and and isn't that amazing when when like things start to fall into place after thinking that oh, you know, not I, I, that's something I do on the side. <laughs> you know, it's not really one <laughs> And, and you know, it's funny because I I can so relate because coming from an Asian family, <laughs> you know, and yeah. a, an Asian Jewish family, it's like, okay, well, you know, no, you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah, this was like yeah. my, my parents were like, nope, you know, because like, I, I, I've been like, I was a, a songwriter and I wrote poems and all of that and, and on the side, of course, you know. And then I told yeah. my parents when I went to college that I really wanted to pursue writing. And they were like, how are you going to make, how are you going to make a living out of that? I'm like, okay. And it's like, no, get into, me- get into like the sciences, get into medicine. You'll have a better <laughs> chance of getting a job. Right. And, and, and of course, by my first semester, I did go to pre-med last, didn't last long. <laughs> I was like, nope, right. not for me. And, you know, and along the way, I still, like I managed to get to where I really wanted to be, but it was a long, circuitous route because I said, oh, well, I can't really do that. But, you know, then I got into advertising, got into marketing. And then, you know, and then I think, actually, I do know, like the, the I think the um, the final straw was when yeah, I was really like not happy where I was working. And my then, right. my my then boyfriend, who is now my husband, said, you know what, why don't you quit and we'll figure it out. And I'm like, but no, we have bills to pay, blah, blah, You know, it's like, we will figure it out. And sure enough, right. you, know, um, you know, I started writing and I started just sending it out and that's it. The, the rest is history. I got published in And sometimes in you have Island. to just do that. Some, yeah. yeah, sometimes you just have to have that attitude that, you know what, I'm going to do this. And we'll work it out. Yeah, yeah, but I don't you know, think I if we wait for the right time, own. it never happens. Yes, yeah. exactly. But I definitely needed the push because for me, I was still so like tunnel vision was like, okay, I know I need to, I need to have a job because I need to pay pay bills and you know, and yeah, the writing right. is great, but yeah, you know, it's not going to pay for much. You know, <laughs> it's like so. But it, if it wasn't for that little push, you know, I don't know where I would be, but. And now I'm just so happy and, and so glad that it happened that way because it brought me to where I am now, you know, which is amazing. Yeah. So, but I, I love your story because it is so, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, and did you think that you were always a writer until, or, or not until Tim said, you're going to be a writer or you, you know, are I, a writer? It was only when Tim really said it and when I started to think about it, when I eventually did become a full-time writer, I kind of looked back over my career and I realized that there's a lot of writing that I've done in over the course of my life in my career as an IT professional. I was always writing professional like business documentation. Mm. Um, you, you know, and I always liked to write, I always wrote stories. I always enjoyed writing stories. I never realized I was any good at it, but I always enjoyed it. Huh? Wow, you are good at it. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh man. Okay, so going forward, do you have any personal goals? Well, you know, to be the best possible parent to my boys. I've got two sons. They're amazing. One of them is autistic, and Mm -hmm. he has just graduated from high school. Cannot believe he's got old. Congratulations! That's awesome. Thank you. And. The other, the, my, my other son is 15 and he is an absolute powerhouse. This kid is a force of nature. He has decided that he's going to change the world and oh, he's going to do so by 
so he's got he's got two passions. One is cars, and one is the environment. So he's decided he's going to combine those two passions and build an electric supercar. Whoa! Oh my goodness! So, he's going to have to know, talk to he, my he's going to have to talk to my husband because my husband is so into that. That's amazing! Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah, no, my son has, you know, he goes on you know, he goes to car events like you know, car races and stuff, and he interviews race car drivers. Really? He interviewed Mario, yeah, he interviewed Mario Andretti when he was, like, 11. No way. Oh, my gosh, yeah. that's wild. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, he's done some amazing stuff. So, you know, one that's of my so goals cool. is to support my kids. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I, I want to support my kids as best I can mm-hmm. in whatever they want to do. And other than that, my personal goal is really just to make the world a better place. I love that. And that's always what I've wanted to do. That was that was the source of a lot of discontent when I was working in my corporate job. I was working for one of Canada's biggest retailers in their IT department. Mm -hmm. And I used to sit there at work thinking, I I I don't care about any of this. (laughs) I you know, I I I don't care about what this website looks like Mm -hmm. or, or you know what what the fees on on that product are or any of that kind of stuff. I you know, I just don't care because it's not changing anyone's life. Right. Right. You know, and I want to change people's lives for the better. That's awesome. And what are your goals for my Gen X life and word salad with coffee? And World Moms. That's a so, lot. <laughs> <laughs> My, okay, so my immediate goals are to get my, uh, I'm building a website for Word Salad with Coffee, and I'm using that as a business website. So I'm in the process of writing the content for that. Uh-huh. I've got an amazing woman who's going to, you know, be actually creating the website. And I want to grow my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I want to build my subscriber base and my watch hours so I can monetize the channel. Because, you know, the work I do is fulfilling, but it doesn't come for free. So mm-hmm. I want to have the financial flexibility to do more than I can. So mm-hmm. so that's really, you know, really what I want to do, mostly for word salad with coffee. I want to just get to the point where I can, um, you know, monetize the channel and just get my messages out to more people. Right. Okay. Wow. So I read that you're part of the Toronto District School Board, um, special edu- uh, School Board Special ed- Education Advisory Committee. So yes. what do you want to do um, going forward with that? being a part of that school board? I So that is a, um, the short form of that is SEAC, and uh, that is a mandated committee. So the, so the provincial government of Ontario mandates that every school board in the province has to have a special education advisory committee. Ah, okay. And, uh, you, you know, the whole point of, of SEAC is to you know, to review the policies and procedures that the school boards have in place, make sure they're equitable and fair for students with special needs. Mm-hmm. And I am a community member, which means I represent my area um, of, of parents. Mm-hmm. My goal my goal with SEAC is really to, you know, and I've been struggling with it just because of the way SEAC operates. They don't make it easy. Mm. Um but um, my goal is to be able to speak to more parents of special needs children in my area mm-hmm. and find out what, you know, what are your problems? What are your challenges? What do you want to see have happen? Wow. And to take that back to SEAC as, you know, real feedback from real people. Because a lot of, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the SEAC meetings is, you know, it's based on what the school board administrators think need to be talked about, and it's 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 a little bit frustrating. Mm. So, you know, I, I I'd like to see some real voices of real parents represented, right? right. And yeah. and their stories. I you know, once I think you know, there are a lot of stories that need to be told. Yeah, yeah, and you want the actual people who are getting affected by this, as opposed to, you know, the the ones who are just authorizing. All of the uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, authorizing the policies. Okay. So, um, if anyone wanted to get to know more about Word Salad with Coffee and my Gen X life um, and World Moms Network, how would they go about it? 
So uh, for my Gen X life, um, I've got a Facebook page and Facebook, Twitter and YouTube and Instagram mm-hmm. for, for both channels. For my Gen X life, if you just go into YouTube, um, you can just go and search for my Gen X life. Gen and X are separate words. Mm-hmm. Um, and word salad with coffee, same thing. Just go to YouTube or Facebook, search for word salad with coffee um connect with me on any of my social media mm-hmm. um and i do i do welcome anybody who wants so if anyone would like to do a youtube collaboration or guest blog post they should let me know because on on my gen x life i talk a lot about social issues mm-hmm. but i would really love to connect with people who whose stories who who, who their stories belong to and the same thing goes with word salad with coffee. I have spoken on that channel about, for example, uh, white writers creating black characters in their stories and, you know, what the right ways are to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I have spoken about that, but, you know, it's not my voice that matters in a discussion like that. So I would love to have some, some, some black writers, some indigenous writers, mm. you know, you know, even your LGBTQ plus writers, anyone who is from a marginalized group to come onto my channel and talk about what their experiences are and what they would like to see happen. Mm. I love that. Thank you for that. Wow. And um, so where do you self, where do you see yourself in the future? Um, well, hopefully, you know, like, Two, three, four, five years from now, I'll have some balance in my life. Mm-hmm. I want to have the time to advocate for others and make a positive difference through my writing and videos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also do things for myself and my family, you know, like travel and, and have yeah. time with the family and go places and do things. And, um, you know, work-life balance is something that I am not typically good at, but mm-hmm. I would like to, I would like to improve. Mm. So is there anything you haven't, tried yet or done yet that you would love to try? I would love to try live streaming on my YouTube channel, but I am so scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Kirsten, you've already done, you're already doing YouTube. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, the next, it's the next step. It's the next step. It's, 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 it is the next step. You, you know, so doing, doing it live, there's, there's this whole kind of fear elements at least if I mess up on my YouTube videos I can just edit it out Mm -hmm. but when you're live you're live and there's no turning back from anything that's true that's very true but I think you know if you set your mind to it and and I think if when you're ready you'll do it you know when you're ready you can do that so yeah I, 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 I really wish you luck and I hope it does happen because I think you really would garner more um viewership you know, stemming from yeah. Gen X life to uh, uh, streaming, with that, I think that would be wonderful. Because um, you, the, it's. I think it would be more powerful that way, also. You know, because then you really yeah, get I to think see. So, yeah. yeah, like it's 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 right there. So. Um, yeah, and I mean, it it, it it'll happen. I just yeah. have to sort of back myself up to it a little bit more. Yeah. So if you, you know, so. So I want there. to do that, and uh-huh. and I want to and and I and I want to get more into some, um, like I said, more into some collabs and interviews on my channel, and talk to the people who, you know, who own the stories that I want to tell. Mm, that's awesome! Wow. Okay. And so, if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would that be? Okay, so when I was at university, I got into a really terrible relationship that changed the course of my life. And that relationship was set up over the course of one lunch. I went out to lunch with this guy. And if I could change anything, I would not go to that lunch because that relationship changed my life in all kinds of negative ways. Really? And if I could undo that one thing, then I would. Mm -hmm. But, you know, on the other hand, the experiences that I had back then are part of who I am today so you know there is that Mm, yeah wow well you know and I'm sorry that you had to go through that but like you said 
you know, who knows? It, it, you know, it brought you to where you are now. So maybe in a way, yeah, you know, it opened up other things for you. So that's great. Yeah. So my last question would be: If you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? I would say to my younger self: You are capable. You are enough, and you shouldn't let anybody tell you otherwise. I love and that. that's what I say to all young people today. Mm, I love that. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for spending your time with me and for being generous with your time. Um, and I can't wait to, uh, you know, to hear more about my Gen X life and Word Salad with Coffee and Road Moms, of course. Um, but, you know, if you do decide to do the live streaming, let me know because <laughs> I want to get I want to <laughs> know more about that and uh, see how the transition happened for you. Uh, but in the sure, meantime, yeah, you know, I really appreciate you coming in. So thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Oh, cool. I'm glad. All right. Well, have a good day. Right. Thank you. Same to you. Okay. Bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Kirsten Doyle on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. <laughs>